probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to The Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from harperwharris.com, and joining me again today is... Zachary T. Owen. I am an indie horror author. I work through Small Press. You can find a lot of my books online. I just released uh, last year, or well, we'll be going on last year here soon, but uh, a book called Doomsayer. It's a collection of short horror fiction. Yeah, a very good collection, I will add. I, I read it uh, a while back and really, really enjoyed it. So uh, people listening, if you're interested in you know reading some some cool short horror fiction, with some uh, I, one of the things I love about the collection is just how you know varied the stories are. It doesn't feel like a, you know it's just a bunch of very you know identical themes and played out through a bunch of stories. It's very, very. Well, I appreciate diverse. that, and that's that's something I've uh, worked on pretty hard as a writer. Um, and something I'm going to continue to explore. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, I, I love it because it, you know, it definitely ranges the gambit from, uh, you know, a funny story about a talking butthole to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, you know, some potentially apocalyptic, uh, you know, very uh, disturbing endings of, of some of the stories. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I love it. So. Um, Today, we're talking about minute 103 of The Thing, which uh, begins with the very last shot of the movie of the burning outpost and then ends a minute later with the credit for Donald Moffat playing uh, Gary. So, um, yeah, so we just get the, the burning fire of the outpost and then after a little while, uh, it just holds on that and then cuts to John Carpenter's The Thing, you know, in giant Albertus font, same, you know, the same font he uses for everything. And then, then we start getting the credits roll. So I figured what we could do for these is uh, I kind of went back and looked at the characters and tried to find some interesting things that uh, that I didn't have, or not the characters, but the uh, the actors, right. and find some things that I didn't uh, know before or didn't uh, didn't mention on the show. And for a few of the bigger uh, bigger name actors, what ended up sounding being kind of funny was looking at their Wikipedia articles and looking at the way <laughs> they described characters that they played. So, like, you know, for example, they'd say, like, for this movie, it said, uh, you know, Kurt Russell, you know, in 1982, he played an Antarctic helicopter pilot in The Thing. So, uh, for a couple of these guys, it was really funny to look at those and write those down out of context, just the <laughs> descriptions of these characters. So, our first credit is for Kurt Russell as McCready. And um, here's some of the character uh, descriptions for, for people that Kurt Russell has played. Uh, Army hero turned robber. Uh, truck driver, uh, truck driver caught in an ancient Chinese war. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I think we know which one that is. Yeah. Um, mistaken orphan, which I'm not sure whether that means he was an orphan who was mistaken about something or whether he was not an orphan and he was mistaken <laughs> about being an orphan. Yeah, that, that's an ambiguous one, much <laughs> like the ending of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a planetary ruler, a young robber, an idealistic high school student, and Olympic hockey coach. <laughs> so a very diverse uh, acting career for, for Kurt Russell, for sure, given those descriptions. 
Let's see some of the other interesting things that I found that I didn't know. Kurt Russell, his dad was a was a big baseball player, and I, apparently Kurt Russell played minor league baseball for a while. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was, and I guess I don't know if he was pretty good or what, but he played for a while, and the only reason he stopped was that he got a um, he had a wrist injury that happened while he was playing, and that kind of pushed him. He had done acting obviously when he was a when he was a child. He was in a lot of Disney stuff, and uh, the wrist injury kind of made him think that maybe he should go back to doing that. So whoever, you know, whoever slid into him on second base or whatever that caused his injury, we can have that person to thank for uh, Kurt Russell's amazing film career. <laughs> you think that person's in a bar right now saying, you know, if it wasn't for me, <laughs> wouldn't have Kurt Russell, at least not the one that we have today. Yeah, and everybody else in the bar is like, yeah, you tell that story every week. <laughs> whatever. Now, this this is probably the most interesting thing I read about any of these actors. I, I was like really kind of taken aback when I read this. And I, uh, I have no basis uh, to back this up aside from Wikipedia that uh, uh, supposedly uh, when Walt Disney died, the last thing he said, uh, which I guess, I don't know, it's not his last. Oh, I think I've heard this too. <laughs> the, it's not the last thing he said out loud, but the last thing he wrote were just the words, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> which well, I would you know because Kurt Russell killed him. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that was my thought. How bizarre, like what a weird thing. That is really strange. And it could mean anything. Like, I, I really don't know. Right. Like what was, what was going through <laughs> Walt Disney's head when he wrote that, you know, on his deathbed. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Russell was either responsible for his death or, or maybe he wanted Kurt Russell to come because somehow Kurt Russell could save him. <laughs> I'd love to know the answer to that. And, uh, I guess one day when they unfreeze Walt Disney's frozen brain, we'll uh, we'll find out. <laughs> but yeah, that was very weird. I'd, I'd never heard that before. So yeah, and uh, the other thing I did for all these actors was find, I tried to find something interesting that they did recently. And obviously for somebody like Kurt Russell, that was not hard to uh, to find. No. So yeah, most recently, probably the, the biggest thing uh, was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where he was kind of, you know, one of the main characters. He, as, right, I he still did. haven't seen that yet. I know you weren't, a huge fan, but some of my other friends were a little uh, more positive about it. Uh, certainly, I'd like to see it, if nothing else, to see, uh, if for no other reason than to see uh, Kurt Russell's character and see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the minority of people who are not that crazy about it. Uh, everybody else I know really loved it, <laughs> so don't t- don't take my opinion as uh, as fact for that. But sometimes I'm uh, one of those voices, though, too. Like. I- <laughs> There have been some movies where I feel like the only person on the planet who doesn't like them. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is definitely one of the ones where I felt like that. <laughs> All my friends were very angry with me for saying negative things about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even even if I wasn't crazy about it, I did love uh, seeing Kurt Russell on it. He's pretty awesome in it. And uh, and the movie is it's cool. It, you can kind of almost connect it to this, too, because it, the movie begins with uh, Kurt Russell, his character, in the 80s on Earth. Um, so it's oh, very. It's, so you've sold me. Now I'm going to go rent it. Yeah. So it's very much the McCready looking, uh, you know, big curly hair, Kurt Russell. So <laughs> definitely worth seeing for that. If anything else, the next credit uh, under also starring, and this was is an interesting one, is a Wilford Brimley, <laughs> which um, has he ever been credited like that before? Not that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> He wanted to be distanced from this, and he thought the A would fool us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, uh, that's, I'd say that's a pretty decent uh, theory. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, it's funny. Somebody mentioned earlier, uh, they brought up this credit and said that, uh, you know, he's not a Wilford Brimley, he's the Wilford Brimley, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is the only way to refer to Wilford Brimley. Yeah, so I looked it up. Apparently his first name is Anthony, Anthony Wilford uh-huh. Brimley. So some uh, here's some of the uh, descriptions of some characters that Wilford Brimley has played through his career. And some of these in his, uh, most of them describe characters. A few of them describe the man himself. So let's see if you can pick those out. Um, so uh, curmudgeonly outspoken assistant U.S. attorney. Uh, cantanker- he expanded his cantankerous persona as a world-weary manager. Leader of a group of geriatrics. <laughs> oh, this one's about him. Widely known for portraying gruff or stodgy old men. Sounds sounds about right. <laughs> yep, dead on. Um, the ominous head of security. So you can <laughs> definitely tell he's a little typecast. <laughs> yes, very the, much. The words curmudgeonly, cantankerous, gruff, <laughs> and stodgy. <laughs> All kind of paint a pretty uh, clear picture of, of Wilford Brimley. Um, but I also found this, and I think, I can't remember if it was you that brought this up. Somebody else did mention this at some point during the podcast, that... Uh, uh, on Wikipedia, he's also described as a fine singer with a rich, warm voice. <laughs> I, I don't think that was me. I can't promise. But, but that, I, don't, I don't believe I knew that. And uh, it's really funny. And shockingly enough, on further research, he has not one, but several jazz albums uh, oh. out, that you can uh, purchase. Are these on Spotify? Um, I'm not sure if they're on Spotify. <laughs> I found one of them on iTunes. Um, I tried to find... Most of them, it's like somebody with Wilford Brimley. Like he just sings on somebody else's jazz album. But he does have at least one solo one. His first one is in 2004. It's called This Time, The Dream's On Me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take Wilford Brimley. He's too much. I know. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I'll I'll post a link. You can listen to some of his stuff on iTunes or some of the tracks that he sings on. And it's it's definitely Wilford Brimley. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's not bad, but you can definitely tell it's, it's him. But yeah, I uh, I really want to get like a poster of his this time the dreams on me album <laughs> and hang it up. It's just like him, like you know, thoughtful on the cover and like sepia tone. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> the only other <laughs> kind of interesting or funny thing I found on his uh, filmography, and I really wish I could find this. I'm shocked that this is not on YouTube somewhere. Um, in 2001, he was one of the main characters in a um, an informational video called PCs and the Web. Which I'll bet is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to watch it right now. <laughs> if, if if I could pick anybody to um, to guide me through the world of PCs and the web, Wilford Brimley is definitely on the short list. Uh, Two thousand and one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which it, it would be funny because of Wilford Brimley and also because of how outdated it would be by now. Oh yeah, it's it's you know I'm sure it's Wilford Brimley explaining like you know this is a mouse and you know. <laughs> You can use that to click on the terminal where you can enter commands. I'm like, yeah, it's it's probably pretty interesting. I would I would if anybody can find this or has a VHS tape of it, send it my way. <laughs> um, I'll post the the poster of it is pretty funny. It's very typical of like those kind of early 2000s, you know, informational kids videos or whatever, where it's like a bunch of goofy aliens like and a kid on a computer. You know? <laughs> so I'm wondering if Wilford Brimley's like a voice of one of the aliens or if he's like the the father who's like, here's your new computer, son. Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know, but I'd love to see it. The next credit that pops up is for uh, TK Carter as Knowles, who 
I thought that was. I, I'm I'm wondering. I don't really understand necessarily the order of these credits. Like I get Kurt yeah, Russell first, sort and, of arbitrary. Yeah, and I, I get uh, I get Blair is second because you know he does kind of is kind of second. I guess he, he's probably the most important character aside from Kurt Russell and has probably the most dialogue at least in the beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, after that, it it seems totally random because uh, Knowles is definitely not like. And I wouldn't have expected him to be third build for the movie. I wouldn't either. Um, it could be something that was uh, through uh, contracts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe it's something like that. He was the youngest one in the movie, youngest actor in the movie, too. So I'm wondering if, yeah, I don't know. I was wondering, <laughs> you'd think it'd be like, in introducing T.K. Carter. Right. You know? But uh, yeah, so he uh, he did have a couple of interesting uh, little descriptive characters on Wikipedia. So Here's some characters that T.K. Carter has played. Uh, the street smart Chester, a uh, a karaoke singing Iceman. I'm not even sure what Iceman <laughs> means. Well, what what do they mean by street smart Chester? <laughs> I don't know if Chester was his name or if Chester is like his occupation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, roller skating chef. I think we know what that one is. Um, an unfortunate National Guardsman. Uh, elementary school teacher. Uh, the drug addicted Gary McCullough. Um, and then this was my personal favorite. He, he played a character. This one didn't have a description, but he played a character named Jody Foster in the Waltons. <laughs> J O D Y Foster. <laughs> Which uh, I was like, uh, I, in, in fact, I think it was actually misspelled on the Wikipedia article. I had to look at it on IMDb, but it's misspelled like the you know the actress Jodie Foster on there. I was like, he played Jodie Foster on the Waltons. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would be baffling. At <laughs> that first is incredibly class. bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he's had a pretty interesting career. And he's been in a lot of stuff. Um, of of all the actors in this movie, I, I realized you know I used to think I, that a lot of these guys were kind of not not no names, but just people that I didn't really recognize from anything else. And you know, after doing because, the podcast, uh, I see them all all the time. Well, well, to anybody who has watched the thing, they they are so synonymous with the thing yeah. that it's hard to imagine them as any other character. And you know, I don't think a lot of them were in, you know, a lot of genre films. At least from what I can tell. Aside from, you know, obviously Kurt Russell was in a lot of Carpenter films, and uh, Keith David has been in a few mm-hmm. things like that. But you know, I mean, I never saw Wilford Brimley in any other horror film, so. Yeah, no. The only other like mainstream movie I even really know Wilfred Brimley from is Cocoon. Um, yeah, w- which which is where he's the leader of a uh, group of geriatrics. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also uh, remember him from Seinfeld, and you know, obviously the diabetes commercials. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's all over the place, but yeah, n- mostly commercial work. It seems like, um, and uh, uh, some previous guests. Uh, brought up the show. Uh, I think it's. I always get it mixed up if it's our house or our. I think it's our house, where he's like the grumpy grandpa and all the the family that moved in with him. It's very. It looks very funny. It's like a sitcom, <laughs> um, where shockingly he plays the curmudgeonly or cantankerous <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> he really milked that. Yeah. Really <laughs> well, it's not surprising if you ever watch like videos of him because that is exactly <laughs> who he actually is. <laughs> um, yeah, and it seems like. Yeah, I didn't mention recent credits for him, but the most recent thing I think was on his credit uh, on his IMDb list was when he he showed up on um, Craig Ferguson's late night show uh, as himself and played the harmonica, um, which, <laughs> which I have seen and it is pretty awesome. Oh. 
That uh, that show had some interesting guests sometimes. Yeah. So it would it would be the show that had Wilford Brimley. Yeah, that did, it did surprise me that that's where he showed up last. Um, <laughs> and TK Carter uh, most recently has had been in a few episodes of uh, Saints and Sinners and How to Get Away with Murder, which neither of which are shows I have seen, but I know I know at least How to Get Away with Murder, especially is a pretty popular show. So that yes, is cool. Very much. Next up on the list is uh, David Clennon, who has had a pretty big, pretty successful career after uh, the thing. He uh, he's been in. A, I see. It's funny now. He's one of the ones I see all the time and stuff. Now that I'm kind of looking for him, I, I've seen him and stuff, and I just didn't really recognize him. But uh, yeah, he didn't have any funny descriptions of characters, but he did have a good description of himself on on uh, Wikipedia, which was the uh, tall, lean, and often bearded actor. Um, which, you know, I hope that's somewhere in my Wikipedia entry one day, (laughs) often bearded. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that Palmer as the, you know, the conspiracy theorist and and all that in the movie in real life, David Clennon is, uh, is not a conspiracy theorist, but he's not, I guess not super far off in that he's a, um, in real life, he's a very outspoken political activist. Um, And he's, uh, he was very uh, outspoken against the Vietnam War and torture. And there's like apparently a lot, he had a lot of um, criticism for Zero Dark Thirty in how it portrayed torture as like a viable way to, to win the war. Um, and he was on a show called The Agency, which I haven't heard of, but um, it was interesting that he had a pretty a recurring role on The Agency, but that even while he was doing that, he was like, uh, criticizing the show publicly for how it, um, huh. for that it was it was pro the Iraq invasion. So um, yeah, I think I, I might have mentioned way way back. It might have even been in our episodes uh, at the beginning of the podcast that in the special features um, where he shows up, he de- he looks very much like Palmer. Um, he's very like kind of hippie. He's wearing a Bernie Sanders t shirt, I think, which wow. is pretty well, awesome. So he kind of much like Wilford Brimley played a character uh, not totally unlike him in personality then yeah definitely he definitely seems like the uh the hippie so yeah he was well well cast in the movie for sure and yeah recently david clennon was in uh he i think he was in a couple episodes of house of cards and then i think the most recent place i've seen him was uh in gone girl where he plays uh the missing woman's father as a it's a pretty big role and it was funny because i've seen i'd seen that movie like three times before i realized that it was palmer <laughs> apparently i'm looking at his imdb now he uh was also in being there which is one of my personal favorite movies i so I'll have to revisit that i i think uh he might not have been the only person from this movie that shows up in being there actually um and that, that's not a movie i'm really familiar with what what is what is it what is it about uh it's kind of hard to explain but basically uh, um you know it stars peter sellers and he plays kind of this uh dim-witted assistant he's a gardener and he uh the guy that he works for is i don't know i mean he's i don't know if he's wealthy but obviously he can afford to have servants but he passes away and um this character chance the gardener I believe I believe his name's Chauncey, but somehow people become fused and they think his name is Chance, if I remember correctly. But he ends up just kind of leaving after his uh, after his boss dies, for lack of a better title. Um, and he goes out into the world and he bumps into this uh, rich guy who is kind of really ill, and they become friends. And it's it's kind of uh, like a satirical film. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain. There's a lot. There's a lot of subtext 
and it's unclear exactly who you know Chance the Gardener is or what his background is. It's just one of those movies that you kind of have to watch, I think, to appreciate. But it, it's certainly interesting. Uh, it's it's funny, but in kind of a dry, subtle way. It's definitely one of the best uh, roles I've ever seen Peter Sellers in. Wow, that's and that's really saying something for sure. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I, I just looked it up, and yeah, it's, uh, Richard Dysart is also in that. Who's a uh, copper in this? That's oh yeah, that's, that's right. Pretty interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to him in a minute. But yeah, I, I didn't make that connection when I was looking over the notes. Yeah, there are a couple of kind of um, uh, movies or shows that some of the characters had in common. Um, the Waltons is the other one. Like I think either two or three of the actors had been on the Waltons, which makes me think that uh, John Carpenter must have been a fan growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, which is very funny to think about because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen The Waltons, it's like the most wholesome, like boring TV show ever. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, very not John Carpenter, but um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, next up uh, after David Clennon, we get uh, Keith David as Childs, who uh, obviously to, to people who like the thing, Keith David is probably very recognizable because he's shown up in all kinds of other awesome kind oh, of yeah, genre he has stuff. Quite a career. Um, I think, uh, I mean, even among things that I enjoy, he he shows up pretty frequently. Obviously, he's also in They Live, but Mm -hmm. he's in Gargoyles. He's the voice of Spawn in the animated series, which, I mean, he's great in that show. It's fantastic. Like, it holds up pretty well overall. It's hard to imagine that it came out in the 90s, but... Yeah. Yeah. That's, I have, I've actually never seen the Spawn, uh, animated show before, but, uh, yeah, I hear that a lot and I hear the same thing about Gargoyles. I know there's a lot of people that are like, you know, major, it's got, it's a cult TV show for a lot yeah, of people. Uh, it definitely has an audience. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's on my radar for things to revisit. And, uh, you know, obviously he's a very big part of that show. So that only encourages me to seek it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other things that I kind of picked out in his, uh, his Wikipedia and, and IMDb that I didn't know about. I, I guess I had just never made the connection. I always think about him and, you know, stuff like this and, and they live. Um, and, you know, and he's been in a lot of, you know, non kind of horror movies and stuff too. And like, you know, there's something about Mary as the the father and, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. And, I forgot uh, about that. And uh, Requiem for a Dream. I mean, he shows up in all kinds of stuff uh, where he's awesome, <laughs> but I had never really thought about the fact that he's like, uh, such an accomplished voice actor. Um, so yeah, in addition to the stuff that you mentioned, uh, Gargoyles and Spawn, he's also done a lot of uh, English versions of animes, anime movies. And um, obviously he's one of the voices of one of the main characters in the Halo franchise and in Mass Effect. And uh, he also, I don't know if I remembered this, that he was, um, he's the voice, the narrator in almost every Ken Burns documentary, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Uh, um, and didn't he also do... Voice work for ads, I think it was the Marines, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I didn't have that even, uh, I didn't even see that on the on the listing, but I think you're right. He was the, like, uh, back in the days when they did, like, the Godsmack songs in the... Right, uh, and that would have been in, like, the early 2000s. I remember uh, in high school we watched this, um, it was like a news program for high school called Channel One. Yeah. And they would air the uh, Marine ads all the time, and... I would hear his voice and he has such a distinct, like rich voice. You know, even at that time when I wasn't as familiar with his body of work, I instantly knew that it was him. And I mean, I don't know a lot about the Marines or anything like that, but it was just cool to 
to uh, you know hear his voice every morning and realize you, you know this guy from the thing was uh, really quite successful. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of awesome. I, I, I um, we had the same kind of thing, and I don't I don't remember picking that out, but the thing that I picked out as a a big metalhead in like middle school <laughs> was uh, <laughs> when they do the the uh, uh, Pledge of Allegiance and the and Justice for All. I'd be like, and Justice for All by Metallica. <laughs> You got to grab onto these little things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make uh, daily high school life a little better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, Keith David has won, um, won Emmys for Outstanding VoiceOver Performances in The War and in Unforgivable Blackness. So a pretty, a pretty accomplished voice actor by any stretch. Um, and I had, as the recent interesting thing that he did uh just most it is recent but it is also something i'd like just finished watching the other day so it's stuck in my head is uh rick and morty he plays uh the president of the united states which is an awesome character i believe i mean i'm not caught up on rick and morty uh he also voiced some characters in the episode where the parasitic alien creates false memories oh, totally uh and he I, he had to play at least one of those characters. I remember hearing his voice in that. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think he might have been reverse draft. I think uh, you're right. <laughs> I think that is who he was. <laughs> which is a really hilarious character, and the fact that his voice is coming out of it just makes it even funnier. Uh, <laughs> and another thing I remembered, and I haven't seen it, but he was in at least one Larry the Cable Guy movie. <laughs> Wait, really? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I think he was in. Uh, it was like it might have been a sequel. I don't. I don't know offhand, but. Uh, or it was it was a movie about the military. I don't, you'd have to look it up, but I'm I'm like ninety percent <laughs> sure it was a Larry the Cable Guy vehicle. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and he was in a movie, a horror movie that didn't look particularly great, called uh, Smiley. But I mean, he's a working actor. He's been very successful, but he seems to he doesn't he's not too choosy about his roles. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> There are other actors like that who I really like, like Ron Perlman. I love Ron Perlman. I can think of a lot of great roles he's in, um, but he's also been in some pretty terrible movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that's probably true for a lot of genre actors, um, you know, guys who do these movies. And, and, you know, I guess they're just kind of hoping that uh, there'll be some pearls in there. Yeah. And I mean, in their defense, even when they show up in something that's not too great, you know, Ron Perlman, uh and uh, Keith David both tend to stand out anyway, and they're yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, most definitely. So, um, yeah, he's had a pretty pretty successful career post uh, post thing. Um, speaking of successful careers, after it, the, the next guy that shows up is uh, Richard Dysart as Doctor Copper, who yes had an extremely successful TV career um, on uh, on LA Law that I think we brought up at the beginning of the show. Um, so yeah, the show, and then I think there were either one or two movies too that he's in, and I guess he's, I haven't seen it, but I know he's one of the major players in the show. Um, so that was obviously kind of more what he's known for. Um, I did have, I have two, uh, character descriptions from Wikipedia for, for Richard Dysart, a, uh, good hearted physician and kindly minor uncle Pom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I had written down that he is also in Spawn as uh, Cogliostro, so he played. Oh, I didn't even uh, think of that, but now that you say uh, say so, the voice you know is pretty distinct. Is that is that a uh, an ally of Spawn's, or is that uh, one of the villains? 
it's sort of ambiguous. I know in the comic books, from what I understand, I haven't read any Spawn comic books. I believe he eventually becomes a villain, if I'm not mistaken. But in the show, he is an ally of Spawn's. But their relationship is really kind of um, – it's murky. Like uh, it, it seems like he could either be this force of good or maybe he's using Spawn for his own ends. Hmm. Um, it's definitely an interesting relationship in the show and one of the things that really stands out about it. Yeah. Well, like now if if I didn't already, I really want to watch Spawn just to hear – Dr. Copper and, and, uh, Childs, you know, yeah, they have a lot of scenes <laughs> together too. That's pretty um, awesome. Cause I, I think I would argue that he's the other main character besides spawn. Like he probably has the most lines. Wow. No kidding. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It is interesting how many of these guys have gone on to work with each other in different, different things later on. Um, which, yeah, we mentioned earlier that he is, uh, Richard Dysart was also in being there with David Clennon. Um, so they worked together again there. Uh, I also had written down um, he was in uh, Richard Dysart was in the U.S. Air Force during the Korean War, and then uh, he died not too long ago in 2015 at age 86 of uh, lung cancer. So he's one of the one of the guys who is not not still with us of of the cast. Most of these guys still are. Yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, how many of them are still around. Yeah. I, I swore that Wilford Brimley was dead, but apparently he's not dead. <laughs> I, I've heard that a lot on this podcast. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people just assume. I had to look it up while we were talking about him because I just wasn't sure. And I, I was like thinking that I'd heard he died, but apparently he's still kicking. He's yep. just, you know, very up there in age. And he's still just as uh, cantankerous. You can see um, – <laughs> He, uh, yeah, I think just it was actually this year when they did, uh, you know, they did a bunch of screenings of the thing for the 35th anniversary, and he was at one of the ones in, I want to say, oh, it was wow. in Texas, um, and it was very funny because he was like, <laughs> they, they must have paid him a lot to show up because he, yeah, he was, he's not really a huge fan. No, he was not. He mostly talked about how he thought it was really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's very entertaining to watch, um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Next up on the credits is uh, Charles Hallahan, who plays Norris. Um, so some descriptions of his uh, other characters are that he's often cast as a police officer. Um, he's the, uh, this was interesting, the nameless coach, uh, geologist, and volcanologist. So scientists and police officers were his wheelhouse, I guess. Well, um, that sort of makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see him fitting in that role. Uh, he was one of the other ones uh, who was in the Waltons. So, you know, another one that maybe John Carpenter saw as a kid. I don't know. <laughs> or not as a kid, but as a young man. Uh, he, um, Charles Hallahan, was in some popular TV shows after the thing. Um, Grace Under Fire, The Paper Chase, and The Hunter. N- none of which I've ever seen, but I-, I think were fairly successful. He was in the Navy as a hospital corpsman in, stationed in Puerto Rico. And, uh, yeah, and in... in Let's see. Actually, I don't even have the year written down, but um, he was filming a, a an episode of um, Deep Space Nine uh, when he died. He got into a, he was in a car accident, but they think it was caused by a heart attack. Um, oh wow! And uh, yeah, uh, Nick Tate uh, took over his role uh, in the show after that uh, in his memory. But yeah, he he died while they were. So do they completely uh, reshoot the scenes with the new actor? Or? I'm not sure. One, it was it wasn't really clear to me whether it was a, a character that was across multiple episodes either. I'll have to see if I can find that out. But um, 
Yeah, but it just said that Nick Tate took over in his memory. So I don't know if they refilmed stuff or what. But um, yeah, it's always always an interesting conundrum when that happens when they're kind of in the middle of shooting something and that something like that happens. But yeah, uh, and sometimes they make it work if they're uh, creative. Uh, what, what was the uh, Terry Gilliam film? Oh, um, Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yeah, and yeah. they kind of rewrote it so that he um, Heath Ledger's character took on different kind of roles like his body type would change and yeah i it kind of reminds me of doctor who the way they did it but yeah definitely yeah i was thinking the same thing so yeah charles hallahan is one of the other ones who's uh no longer with us so and i think that those are the only two that are actually that have passed away i think everybody else is um still still alive and most of them are still working next up is uh peter maloney who plays bennings and um when <laughs> when i looked up peter maloney at first on wikipedia i uh, he is not the uh, Peter Maloney who was the first openly gay politician in Canada. Disappointingly, I thought that that would have been <laughs> that a would re- be quite a combo. <laughs> That'd be a really interesting piece of trivia about Bennings. But uh, no, uh, this Peter Maloney um, hasn't had quite as uh, as astounding a career as some of these other guys. He was in Thinner, the uh, Stephen King adaptation. Oh yeah, um, I've I've seen that. And uh, he's in Private Parts. And uh, is that? Uh... Like the Howard Stern movie? Is yeah, that that he, he plays researcher, so I'm guessing it's not a big role. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a big role. <laughs> um, uh, this one I really have to go back and watch. He's in Requiem for a Dream as a character named Dr. Pill. So um, I'm curious. <laughs> what a name. Yeah, I'm curious if he's maybe the, the doctor who prescribes the like uppers to the mom, maybe. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Uh, but yeah, that's another one where I guess he and Keith David maybe got to work together. Um. He's on, uh, let's see. Oh, <laughs> I, I've never heard of this, but it just sounded funny and the poster was hilarious. Uh, a movie called Robot in the Family, uh, which... <laughs> which is similar to, uh, what was it, Small Wonder? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so you can imagine already, just from the title, you know exactly what that movie looks like and is, I'm sure. <laughs> um, he plays a character named Dr. Clayhand in that movie. So not sure what's up with that, but... Yeah, and then recent stuff, he was in uh, an episode of The Nick, which uh, is a show I really like, and I, I want to have to go back and see if I can spot him. I, d- I didn't remember seeing him. And then he was in a movie, very re- I really like this, he's in a movie recently called Crashing that came out this year, and the character he plays is named Weird Old Man, <laughs> <laughs> which I hope, uh, I think that's any actor's dream to eventually reach the role of Weird Old Man in your career. <laughs> Um, it's it's a role of some distinction, <laughs> right? Some honor and integrity. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta know yourself pretty well to play that role. Um, next up in the credits is uh, Richard Mazur as Clark, who, you know, it's funny as far down in the credits and as kind of a smaller part that he plays in the movie, he has had a enormous career after this movie. Mostly, uh, interesting enough, he was the uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild for. Uh, Two terms, I think, is uh, wow. over four years in the '90s. He was also in the Waltons, so there's another one. <laughs> um, How many is that now? I think three. three? Yeah, I yeah. think it was. Uh, that can't be a coincidence, can it? Or did yeah. the Waltons just have a really big cast? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm guessing most of these guys were just like you know one-off characters in, in the Waltons, but and I think the Waltons ran for a really long time. So maybe it's just maybe it was like the Law and Order of of today, where like every actor has been in a Law and Order show at some point or another. <laughs> um, very possible. Uh, he was also in L.A. Law with uh, Richard Dysart. He was in a couple episodes of that. 
Um, he has just tons and tons and tons of TV appearances. Uh, that seems to be his thing. He just shows up as in one or two episodes of a lot of TV shows. Um, some character descriptions for, for Richard Mazur. Uh, and some of these are pretty awful. Uh, child molester armed with a camera. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, dog handler. I guess somebody had to play that role. <laughs> yeah, he, he stepped up, I guess. Uh, I like this one. Father to Corey Haim. <laughs> Uh, Jewish American spy. So a pretty, pretty well-rounded, uh, set of characters there. He's also, as far as, you know, other genre stuff related to this goes, he's, uh, he has a fairly big role in, uh, Stephen King's It as, um, I think he's one of the adult versions of one of the kids. Um, Oh, uh, in the, the original miniseries. Yeah. Either Uh, that or he's one of the fathers. I I can't remember. Yeah. Same here. Um, Yeah. He's in that. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, he has hundreds and hundreds of credits, but um, recently he's uh, he had a pretty big recurring role in Orange is the New Black. And then just like four days ago, I spotted him and it took me a minute to even recognize him. He was in an episode of Mr. Robot as an ice cream man. <laughs> you know, I haven't watched that show, but I need to. It's uh, so good. I know that Alf is in it and he runs over someone. That is absolutely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that clip and... Uh... I had to ask my friend who sent it to me like three times, is this a real clip? Is this really from the show? <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge fan of ALF. I so did I was that. very intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, that show is pretty out there. And it, uh, yeah, there's an episode of the second season where at least a good chunk of the episode is played out as a, um, as a like late 80s, early 90s sitcom. Like very, very accurately genuinely played out like that and yeah alf makes a pretty pretty awesome <laughs> appearance um yeah so it was it was pretty funny to see him he shows up in a, in a really good episode in the third season that just came out like maybe a couple of weeks ago um so yeah he's had a pretty pretty big career and then uh the last actor in this minute that shows up is uh donald moffat as gary gary with two r's and um i didn't have any good character descriptions for him but uh he was an English actor who was, you know, like classically trained and, and did a lot of plays and stuff. And then he moved to um, the U.S. after he married his wife, who's from Oregon. And uh, he was, it, this is funny to think about the Gary that we know as, uh, before he kind of started acting in the U.S., he was a lumberjack and a bartender. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, in, <laughs> in the Northwest uh, States. So, uh, but then something compelled him to get back into acting and, he was apparently a pretty accomplished uh, stage actor. He was actually even nominated for a Tony in uh, in 1967. And then I get his uh, film career picked back up after that. And he, um, some of the other characters he's kind of famous for, other than the thing he plays, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson in The Right Stuff, which is a and really really good movie. Uh, I'd completely forgotten that he was in that. And then uh, he also plays another president, uh, just the, all it says on Wikipedia is the corrupt president in clear and present danger, which I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen in a really long time. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if he got a uh, typecast as, as presidents. <laughs> it's a pretty good Maybe. thing to typecast as, I guess. You could do worse. Um, it seems like he's retired. The most recent thing he, he did was, uh, we, speaking of, we just mentioned this a second ago, uh, an episode of Law and Order Trial by Jury. Um, where he played a judge, which is another one of those things where like older actors, that's, that's like every older actor's like final role is as a judge in a law and order show. <laughs> Tom Skerritt did the same thing. 
yeah, so that's that's it for the credits in this minute. The only other thing I had I'd wanted to mention for this one, since we did have kind of the last shot of the movie here, is uh, is the absurd uh, ending to the TV version of the movie where the that last scene plays out exactly as it does in the real version, but then after that, there's a little addendum where we see uh, we see the dog running across the ice again, like I guess implying that he escaped, although now suddenly it's daytime. The dog is running across the ice and there's a... Uh, there's a narrator that comes up who says, who knows what has come from the galaxy? Who knows what evil lurks in the skies beyond God? Watch those around you for who knows what today, tonight, or tomorrow will bring. So this actually aired on television? This Yep. Wow. I wonder when it was uh, that that last aired because I remember watching the thing on the Sci-Fi Channel some years back. They didn't play that scene, but I know there are a lot of movies that have alternate tv versions like we talked about halloween 2 already mm-hmm. night of the creeps being another one um i th- i know there are some more it seems more common with horror movies yeah for sure was there a reason they did that was it to fit their time you know their block of time or i w- as far as adding this extra ending to it yeah uh, not, I'm not really sure. I would guess it it kind of takes away the ambiguity of it because all that we know that the dog has escaped and that I guess I guess the idea is it's going to happen again somewhere else or something. But yeah, there there are all kinds of changes to the TV version, most of which make absolutely no sense. Um, there <laughs> there's some really bizarre stuff where they like add scenes back in that don't make that don't have anything to like they don't lead to anything anymore <laughs> because they never it, shot yeah. stuff. That definitely seems to confirm what I suspected. It sounds similar to Halloween 2 where they were basically forced to put stuff in to meet the specifications of uh, TV, whatever they may have been, you know. Just a certain time, yeah. Time, but yeah uh, which I don't think that's as common now. Uh, movies seem to be, if anything, cut down, I've noticed on TV. I, like, I literally can't stand watching anything on a regular channel that's commercially interrupted because it seems like so much is cut out yeah well um, and they did cut a, a fair amount they cut a lot of the gore out obviously oh yeah i know thing. i know that's true and that's still true today when yeah. i watched it on sci-fi like uh, the movie didn't make sense because so much was <laughs> missing I, like you wouldn't be able to follow it unless you'd already seen it before uncut. yeah well especially with a movie like this where the creatures are like monstrous versions of people so when you don't show those like it's hard to even tell like who that person was or what's even going on. Like you, in the TV version, you mostly just hear stuff happening and then they kill the monster and that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's, that, that would be quite confusing. I did have a friend who'd never seen the thing. And the first time he saw it was on television. And then I watched it with him, you know, sometime later and he was like, wow, this movie's a lot better. I thought it just <laughs> didn't make any sense before. Yeah. It's a pretty crappy movie uh, edited down for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, John Carpenter is called th- this TV version in particular, the one that they made, uh, you know, I guess right after the movie came out on, on tape was, uh, particularly bad. Uh, John Carpenter, I think he said it's like the worst version of any of his movies or something like that. Um, it's, it's a mess, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did think it was interesting, even though that, that, uh, ending narration is pretty ridiculous. It is interesting that it echoes, um, the original thing from another world pretty right. fairly closely with the whole, like, uh, keep watching the skies and all that. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but still it's, uh, it's pretty silly. Uh, and you can see that, uh, that the, that scene is posted up on YouTube for anybody that wants to check it out. It's, it's kind of interesting to see how it fits in, even though it, the, it, it would help if the narrator was like 
I don't know, somebody like Keith David, maybe. Um, yeah. Somebody with a good narrator. Not only voice. that, the, the narrator, there's no narrator in the film otherwise. I don't know. There is in the it's TV in the, version. <laughs> so is, so he's in the beginning too, the he, narrator? In the beginning, all he does, I think he might introduce the outpost, but then every time they show a character for the first time, he's like, uh, this is Clark, the dog handler. Like <laughs> He like explains who they are and why they're in Antarctica, which is totally unnecessary. But yeah, that's the best part about it is that the narrator is, it's clearly like the janitor at the studio that they're like, hey, can you come in here and read these lines? Like he has like a thick, like Philly accent. It's really funny. Um, so they yeah. should release that on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's on the, um, the Screen Factory Blu-ray that came out uh, last year. Um, i to pick that up. So it's de- that's definitely worth checking out, at least for those parts, because it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining. It sucks all of the scary the uh, tension out of the movie for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that was all I had for, uh, for one Oh three for our first minute of uh, credits here. Just some, just some actor stuff. So yeah, I think that'll wrap up uh one Oh three, but make sure to uh, find the podcast in iTunes. And uh, if you're listening this far and you haven't subscribed, you've, uh, you've been doing it manually this whole time. I, I guess good for you, but um, <laughs> subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, if you like the show, uh, really appreciate it. If you could rate and review it, just leave us a, leave us a review and tell us what you think. Uh, helps us uh, find new people to listen to the show that haven't heard of it before. But uh, most importantly, don't forget to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minutes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thethingminute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com, and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out. Harper, signing out.